Go on, flick the bear. Flick him. Flick the bear. Nice. Hello and welcome to An Englishman and an Irishman Go to the Movies, the podcast that would also wade through a river full of poison just to make sure this series is finished. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, the robotic eye to my incarcerated Austrian, it's Ian Whittington. That's me! (laughs) And joining us this week, the man who spends not nearly enough time in my life, like a certain Cubano actress, it's Albert Hogan. Yeah. Oh man, I'd pay money to see Albert do those stunts. I will happily be Paloma. Oh, she's so good. 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 How was everyone? Good. Well, I've seen some movies. I've seen so many movies this week. It's so nice to be um, back to the movies, not to steal Marvel's stupid slogan, but yeah, to be back at the movies is nice. It's nice. It's good. Movies. (laughs) <laughs> cool yeah um, same same for me i mean we did our little halloween horror fest which was fun uh in our house so uh yeah what did you watch uh so we watched the fog which i had never seen um which was a mm. candidate for our little halloween horrors yeah um it was last, last year. year yeah which is a year ago now that's nuts um which I really enjoyed. It was quite atmospheric. And, uh, you know, John Carpenter can't go wrong. Uh, not scary at all. Uh, but there you go. Uh, and then we also watched Hocus Pocus, because why not? Oh, and um, Interview with the Vampire. Oh, nice. So Yay. it's not aged incredibly well. No. I mean, this is a constant argument on this show, and, isn't it? I go has, backwards and forwards on whether I actually like it or not. It has so much uh, homoerotic context to it. It's yes. Oh, it's the gayest film ever. I love it. Yeah, They're but without like being a gay, gay couple with a little yeah. gay couple with a kid. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. This was my biggest um, when I wrote on it for Cinema Sins. Ding. Um, my biggest sin in the whole thing was that this is the gayest movie that never actually gays. It's like if this was made today, it would have had Brad Pitt and Antonio Banderas actually kissing instead of just hovering around it. Like it is so close, so close to some really cool stuff, but it just doesn't do it because nineties. Um, do we how are you, Shawnee? How are you, Shawnee? Yeah, how are you? Sorry, Sean. Yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm good. I'm I'm smarting. I'm smarting. Oh, you both you both know why. why. Sean, please tell us why you are smarting about a film that you watched. Halloween Kills is dog shit. Oh no. Oh, and I loved Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills is it's not a good (sighs) film, Ian. I've heard. Why didn't they just make it two films? Like it's a lot to stretch into a trilogy. So why not just make it two films? Because it sounds like that's what it is, basically. This is a big old comma. Um, yeah, and then they just throw a bunch of stuff in and it's in. So just in case, uh I don't do any spoilers. Um it is not as good as 2018. In fact, it's not as good as Halloween 3 season of The Witch. <laughs> That's some bullshit. Because I watched season of The Witch yesterday. Um, and, <laughs> well, me and my dad fell asleep for the last 20 minutes. So to be fair Oh my to God, it, you missed I the best bits. <laughs> I don't know how it ends. But I do remember a laser beam that kills a woman and melts her face. Um, and the two leads getting together was a weird romance that I didn't need. Um 
I, that's so, that's it can't actually be worse than season of the witch. Oh, it can. Oh no. Season of the witch season of the witch in its own crazy way makes more sense than Halloween Kills does. Lord. That's saying a lot, isn't it? Um but yeah. So well let's can we talk about other things that are nice. Let's um, talk about happy things. Hooray to the news. News team, assemble! I love that you're yeah. going to the news not knowing that we have any news. No, no. Um, um, as I do. What, what, oh, good. Okay, I'm just going to go really, really quickly. What feels like a daily occurrence now is uh, <laughs> n- uh, No Way Home is trending again everyone's like oh my god here's this picture of andrew garfield but i've seen like the same photoshop picture like 50 times in the last couple of months so maybe yeah. this may or may not feature andrew garfield or maybe not possibly not nah. i don't know i think at this point it kind of has to I, I think if nothing else toby Maguire will turn up um it's a coin toss it really is um and literally anybody could be in this movie mm. um have you heard who's going to be in um Oh, wait, what film is it? No, I can't remember. But Bill Murray is going to be in the MCU. Really? And I, it might Ooh. be Spider-Man that he's appearing in. And that's not a joke. He's going to be in a film as a character, as a, as a recurring character. <laughs> okay. Fine. But who isn't? Like, who isn't in the MCU right now? Well, like, I'm half of the Eternals. You know what I mean? It's just like, at this stage, it's like, who's left? Yeah, who isn't? Yeah. Like half of the Game of Thrones cast is in there. That's true. Look, speaking of the Eternals, is getting what seems to be mixed reviews. Has um, the lowest rating on Rotten Tomatoes of any MCU film is the really? latest I've heard. <laughs> yeah, oh, I hadn't I've, heard that. What I've heard is that it's an absolute mess of a nice film to watch. Oh. Like it's it's okay. just so up and down and confused, but it's very pretty. Okay. Um, and this is meant to be like a big tentpole, so it should it should be received better than that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, no, so apparently, not a good weekend for films. Apparently not. Um, uh, can I share with you my favourite headline that I accidentally found? Yes, yes, you can. <laughs> so you know, Maya Hawke is the, the daughter of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke. Yeah, um, the headline, the headline is simply why Maya Hawke can't watch her mum Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I don't need to read that article. I know. It's like Sharon Stone's daughter wonders why she can't watch Basic, Basic Instinct. Instinct. <laughs> I know exactly That's where why. I came from. I know exactly why she can't watch the film. Like, how slow is your news day that that's your headline? Like, uh, just. Argh. News is stupid. Um, did, did you click on the article, though? No, of course not. No, because I knew that's what they wanted. Really? <laughs> so you can't even tell us why Maya Hawke can't watch her mom Uma Thurman. Right, okay, I'm, I'm clicking on it right now. Edit out some silences. Um, bloom, bloom, bloom. Maya Hawke was a model, is now an actor. actor. Um, da, 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 da. Speaking with The Guardian, Hawke was asked which of her parents' films were her favourite. The actor stated that she hadn't seen all of their movies, noting that it's hard to watch her parents go through difficult emotional situations, even though she knows it's pretend. 
She specifically cites the scene from Pulp Fiction where John Travolta's character must administer an adrenaline shot to Uma Thurman's heart. Yes, absolutely. That's not something you ever want to see your parents go through, be it fictional or not. Um, gotta, gotta love that. I love those articles that are like, in a quote from a different interview that we have pulled <laughs> that made a story out of. That's the worst, isn't it? In a recent interview from with Deadline, um, thank you, Screen Rant. <laughs> ah, nice. I think at this point we should nearly include Screen Rant and a lot of the credits just for these episodes because for one thing, they have, they have articles we often tend to read. Um, but yeah, it seems like so many, so often I'm just like, so where'd you get the information for Screen Rant? Mumble, mumble, screen rant. Mumble, mumble, screen rant. Um, Yeah, there's a new Netflix film um, called um, Don't Look Up, which has Leonardo DiCaprio, Lawrence, um, sorry, Jennifer Lawrence, not Lawrence Fishburne, Jennifer Lawrence and uh, Timothy Chalamet. um, Oh, is he in that too? He's in everything. He's He's in everything. everything, Chalamet's just absolutely everywhere at the minute. Uh, And it's a comedy, um, which is interesting um you don't really see DiCaprio do comedy so this should be quite interesting it looks like it's a post-apocalyptic thing um what's it about oh I don't know it doesn't actually tell you brilliant good I think, I think we know DiCaprio can do comedy just based off that one scene in Wolf of Wall Street of oh, getting man. out of the car on Quinn yeah that was fucking I feel so and then and not just that physical comedy as well which is harder to do um what, the physical comedy between him and the bear and the, and the Revenant? I mean, <laughs> hysterical. What, you didn't find that funny, no? No, not, not particularly. Go on, flick the bear. Flick him. Flick the bear. Nice. Um, I saw, in other news, the Morbius trailer. Have you guys seen it? Oh, nope. no. I didn't see... Oh, we were only talking about it the other day, weren't we? <laughs> well, I assumed you went to see it after we literally had a message <laughs> exchange. And no, you... I didn't. That exchange ended with, oh, I didn't realise that was out. I'm going to go watch it now. <laughs> but then I couldn't fight. That's what it was. I didn't, I'd didn't. Right. i only seen the one from like a year ago. Oh, got you. Yeah. No, well, I might be watching the same one, but it was on the front of Venom. Uh, but it was good. Oh, it was surprisingly good. Um, it does look, yeah. It's definitely, um, I can, this is going to sound stupid, but I can definitely tell it's um, your man, Jared Leto. As in, he just looks like Jared Leto. He doesn't look any different. It, it, he looks like yeah. he's in Blade Runner. And I kind able, of... Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were able to just strip some of his makeup off and use his real face to play exactly. Morph- Morbius. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the few makeup tests where they had to remove makeup <laughs> to get him on screen. But it looks good. It looks suitably dark. Um, it, I'm almost positive this is going to worm its way into the MCU. Um, okay. Yeah. But yeah, it looks... I'm cautiously optimistic. Albert, oh, did you see any trailers that you want to talk about? Uh, did I see? Uh, well, when we were in person watching a film, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, um, we, saw, yeah, we a trailer for, saw a trailer for West Side Story, which I was quite enthusiastic about, but Ian was just grumbling beside me about it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think it looks think... pretty pretty slick. I'm excited for that. I didn't think you could hear my grumbling because... I was like half wanting to moan and like, grr, grr, and then you said something nice about it. And I was like, it's all, I'll keep it in my head. I won't talk. But obviously your, you... fa- your face told me everything I needed to know. <laughs> and also you were playing with your seat at the same time. So <laughs> I, could, I could tell you were not impressed. That was, yeah. I, was uh, thinking... I should, I should clarify for, for listeners. We went to a very posh cinema that had um, uh, reclining seats that were electric and 
all you could hear every so often was the squeak <laughs> of leather from Ian who was sat next to me who just kept going up and down up and down and having the time of his life whenever there's like a dramatic moment it was <laughs> but was it not the most comfortable cinema seat you've ever sat in I went to the I went to the cinema yesterday morning and sat down in the in the chair and I was very uncomfortable and just longing for the leather lazy boy recliner that was yeah and the fact that you can't the the levels are so tiered that you can't see anyone, anyone. else in the cinema at all it was awesome it's so so good it's the best cinema experience I've had um, yeah. and Dune what a film to watch yeah um, to experience in that environment yeah exactly. Um, the only other thing that we should mention in the news being, you know, the three Trekkies we are is that Star Trek Prodigy launched last week. To it did. Fairly, yeah, fa- so glad we can't fa- see it. Yeah, fairly rave reviews, although I don't know. Well, I think Sean's seen it of the three of us, but none of the rest. I have indeed, yes. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, thoroughly like- enjoyed it. Um, it's, uh, it, you know, it's it's quite clearly for a younger crowd, but it's also, it also doesn't feel like it's pandering. There's, Good. I think yeah. there's enough that if you're if you're a Trekkie with an open mind, you'll have a good time. Because <laughs> there's so many of those about. Um, no, that's unfair. That's unfair. There are plenty of those. There's just there's always going to be trolls. How long are the episodes? Like 20 minutes? The, yeah, they'll be like lower decks. The first yeah. one is 40 minutes, uh, but the okay, rest of them cool. will all be shorter. Nice. I, I would love to watch it, and if anybody can find a way to legally, legally do stream so. it to us, then yeah, thanks. <sighs> Yeah, somebody said, I'm surprised that you haven't asked to review, you haven't offered to review um, Star Trek Prodigy, Ian. I said, I'd fucking love to if I could watch it. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Shall we review us a Bond film? Shall we? Shall we wrap up the Bond series? Excellent. So, uh, Sean Connery returns for Never Say Never Again. And uh, it. Uh, No time to die. die. Uh, Guys, what did you think? I'll go first. I (laughs) really enjoyed it. No, fuck it. I'm jumping in. I really enjoyed No Time to Die. I second that. I actually thought it was really good. A little bit long-winded, but I enjoyed it. And it got the feels going, which um, for a Bond film is saying something. Mm. I think that's what stands out the most to me, is that this is the most range we've ever seen Bond the character have, regardless of the actor that's playing him. This is the widest range of emotions that we see him go through. And it doesn't feel tacked on or too saccharine. Um, it actually feels justified. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it had a huge, huge um, expectation. Like there was a lot of there was a lot that it had to do to wrap up Craig without being Spectre or Quantum yeah. of uh, Quantum of Sport. Um, but yeah, really, really liked it. Really super enjoyed it. Could have been 20 minutes shorter, but I say that about any film that's longer than 20 minutes, minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I really hope Mr. Craig gets a, uh, an Oscar nomination because I think he's, he actually, he's actually worthy of it, but I don't think he will. He'll probably I don't think he will. He'll but, probably win the yeah. BAFTA, but he won't get nominated. Uh, yeah, I, I think, <laughs> hang on, maybe he could get an IFTA. Yeah, don't worry. Nobody else has either. Um, <laughs> Wait, so, is that an Irish film and television award? Yeah, absolutely amazing. Uh, um, like I, yeah. So it's what two forty-five, I think the the film. Like it is sixty-three minutes. Work it out. 
243. Yeah, two hours, 45. Three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, it is definitely a chunky film. And I think there's a, because we obviously have recently for this pod, we've, we've mainlined the Craig films and I think it manages to tie everything up pretty nicely. Um, and like, I think the other films in the series, Casino Royale, Skyfall and Spectre are all, um, you know, and I suppose that other one, that's this series absolutely tries to forget. Um, <laughs> Every single film. Uh, but it definitely feels like Craig's films are a series within the series. And this one, I suppose, basically goes, yep. Yep, you can call this an alternate universe if you like, although they're not, just for clarity's sake. But they, they may as well be. Like, yeah. So, well, yeah. <laughs> okay, no, I'll do that now. There is one part of the film that really fucking confused me, and that was the inclusion of Timothy Dalton's M. In Bernard a Lee, I think, is it? Yeah, and I can't remember if he was... I think he was Roger Moore's M as well. He's been in multiple Bond films as M. And I was like, well, hold on a fucking second now, because Judy Dench is M, was there for the birth of Bond. Like, she was there when he got his double O's, which means that he's n- new and doesn't have the history of Dalton's Bond, but Dalton's Bond acknowledges the wife that Sean Connery had or Lazenby or whatever, which means that he was the same Bond. So it was just such a bizarre Easter egg to include because it's it's acknowledging something. It's acknowledging that that M was an M in the past, but you're still not saying, especially since your lady is now the new 007, it means that 007 doesn't go with James Bond. It goes with whoever the yeah, fuck has it. It who is was, the 007, so yeah. And I know I'm searching for logic in something that is deliberately not explained and never will be, but hello, that's my job. <laughs> and do you want to hear something even funnier? Yes. I was in London last week and um, my lovely husband and I were walking down Burlington Arcade, which is like a really posh mm-hmm. row of shops. And there were the two portraits that you see in the film hanging up in the Omega store there oh, with of the actual props from the film and her desk oh, yes. and you could go in and like take a picture with it but i think they'd try and sell you like a three thousand pound watch while you're doing it so I yeah, but you know what you can do is say no <laughs> you can say no well, to the watch she actually came out and tried to, to coax me in but i was just like taking a picture of it through the through the glass to send to you and then i remembered it would really trigger you in so i decided not to <laughs> yeah i mean it's gratefully received it really well and i i genuinely hope i get to send no time to die and i will this will be a multi-line extended sin that goes on for 30 seconds. And he's saying, well, what does this mean? <laughs> I, I I just got the feeling that at this point, they were just like, whatever. Like, come on. You all know yeah. everyone's like, he's there is only one James Bond, except there isn't. Now, this one at least says that there isn't only one 007. And there's a joke that yeah. goes on slightly too long. It's quite funny, but it's, I think it's just said one line too much. But I think it sums up exactly my biggest problem with the film. And I understand, I'm going to call it a problem because it is, but I understand the choice that was made. And it's Nomi, uh, Nomi Lashana Lynch's um, 007, 
just getting shortchanged. Um, so Lady Broccoli has come out and said, basically, there will not be a female James Bond while she's in charge. Um, it doesn't oh. fit the character. It doesn't fit. Yeah, she said, I can't. She said this in the build up to um, in the build up to this film, <laughs> in the two year build up to this film. Yeah. So basically, it doesn't fit the character. There's no need for it. If we're going to do it, then it will be a fresh spy. It doesn't have to be Bond. Um Paloma, the, just saying, Paloma. I'd watch it. Paloma, just that spin-off that like Halle Berry was gonna get her own spin-off from Die Another Day. Um, and that just didn't go anywhere because Die Another Day was tanked, was blasted by reviewers. But Lashoma Lynch, just Lashana Lynch, sorry, know me. I'll merge all of the names. I think she really got shortchanged in this film. Like she had a couple mm. of great moments, but then immediately became the comic relief as soon as Daniel Craig landed back in London like she had some power in Jamaica um, mm. and I love that it's her riding the bike with Craig on the back but then as soon as they get back to London and everyone's just like we need Bond back then she's kind of relegated to comic Baby relief sister then, for um, yeah, kind, yeah. yeah kind, and then just hey go and wrap up this loose end for me okay and he can have the number back yeah uh, that, that, that bit bothered me a little bit but I, I don't feel like it felt like there was a clear shift from Bond as standalone to Bond as part of an ensemble mm-hmm. and it had more of a like a Mission Impossible vibe towards the end mm. I think um, yeah. and actually you know thinking back on it Lashana Lynch got some good moments like she got to kill that really horrendous <laughs> character who was like suggesting he'd ripe, wipe out basically her. African people and all sorts of things, which was just awful. Um, so it felt like she had good moments, but I agree that kind of like, no, I'll give him the the designation back. Just felt a little, yeah. Little thing. Uh, it, it shouldn't matter. It should like the whole point is Bond is more than the number or the. Designation. Of course it is. I think that point was really well made. It's like yeah. that the number doesn't matter, and I genuinely believe that Craig's Bond didn't give a shit about the number. Like, can we double O eleven? I don't care. Double O. Yeah. That's weird. No. Zero eleven. No, that was a stupid number to pick. Sorry. Um, the I'm glad she got to kick Obrachev into the Vasid. That was his name. Yep. But it was heavy-handed to say the least. Like he's done enough horrific things. You didn't need to tack on a, a racial cleansing as well. Yeah. For me, it just felt a bit too much. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, he was uh, out of all of the characters um and i'll start going through it in six in a second but it was him where i felt a lot of phoebe waller bridge's hand at play i think because he comes mm. out with some stuff that is obviously designed the last time last statement aside obviously designed to be like pure comedy or oh i'm over this and oh this is ridiculous and oh hi i'll make lots of jokes and everything it's like mm. mate, they've got guns to your head don't don't make jokes don't yeah. make jokes right now this I'm is not the say- time for me, some of the comedy didn't work. Um, this is one of the funniest Bond films, but the opening bit with Hugh... Oh, what's his name? Hugh... Is that Hugh Dennis? Dennis. Hugh Dennis, correct. Yeah. Mm. That stuff in the lab with Hugh Dennis, the other lady, and Obrichev just didn't work for me. It was like, that's... We've seen the scientists, the expendable scientists in a Bond film before, fine. But the comedy bit didn't really work. For me, to be honest, especially when they're brutally fucking murdered <laughs> in seconds. There is that, and it is quite 
like blunt. You know, it's like and gone yeah. to the head. Yeah, and let's just joke about smallpox. <laughs> I mean, like I totally would if if I was working in a lab. But of course, I would joke about. I just smallpox. I feel like you're not allowed. I feel like there's some things you're not allowed to joke about, and swapping somebody's suit for smallpox is one of them. But you know, there's always that one person who, in like a high pressure situation, will crack some like terrible joke that you're just like, what? Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, it's it's like humor as a defense mechanism. But I agree, it just felt tonally wrong. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's it. Actually, it doesn't match the tone of the of Bond films. The only person that's allowed to have a bit of a laugh is Judy Dench. Um, I did the the stand. Is it in Spectre or Skyfall where he says eject me? She says that. Guy for is like go on eject me. I oh man, I keep coming back to that moment. It's so funny. Uh, there's a there's a very good reason as to why that moment isn't Inspector. Oh, you know what? Can you please edit that out? <laughs> no, it's funny. It's funny. Shit, she's Inspector. She is. Yeah. In yeah. fact, her saying "go on eject me" would have absolutely made sense, Inspector, considering she's on a DVD. <laughs> I was just gonna say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant that's brilliant if the message just good. ends with right kill this man go on eject me <laughs> <laughs> so just talking about other like things that are bond but not bond i'm really curious to hear your thoughts on the opening sequence because it is a very different opening to any other bonds that we've seen at least oh, from the totally. Craig era um in fact, any the era. Whole, in fact the whole you know first five minutes doesn't even have bond on screen right so mm -hmm. um what did you think of that and then the the little moment so so um swan as a as a young uh, teenager um and then moving to italy wasn't it for um yeah a little romance uh, yes before it all went very bond you are awaiting every single bond movie for action set piece opening music and this has got to be a record for the longest, longest wait between yeah. those things, absolutely. And it's very rare that it's in two different locations as well. But I, I get it. I mean, this has got this sets up the opening sets up um, Rami Malik's. Um, I was going to say Starling, <laughs> Sapping, um, Starling. Do you say <laughs> brilliant, <laughs> amazing? Um, and it's great because I don't know. Were we? We? I don't know. I think he did a really good job of telling us who we were looking at, that this was a young Madeline. Like, it didn't try to hide that. It oh, was, no, I got this that is, straight away. Yeah, yeah, this is young Madeline. This is her backstory. Um, gives a little bit of a setup with Safin, even though it kind of raised a question mark about his age. age. I think that was my can... That was my bugbear after, you remember me? Yeah. And I can just about buy it because if, let's say, I mean, Bond always goes younger, so... Let's say she's 30, and let's say this happened when she was 10, 20 years. Let's say Safin was 24. That makes him 44 now, which, yeah, okay. It's on the edge of what I believe Rami Malik would be, but Isn't he like he's 42 got, now or something. Yeah, he's just got one of those young faces, though, hasn't he? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I liked that opening, gave us some good backstory. Um, and then, but even. If you just had the stuff in Rome, that would have been a long intro on its own, let alone without the build-up with Madeline as well. Um, but it, for me, that was the weakest part of the film. I know I think you guys enjoyed it, but 
for me, that whole set piece was stuff I'd seen before. Nothing really excited me about it. So which set piece exactly, sorry? I mean, the stuff in um, Rome where he's being chased on the bridge, in Italy, sorry. Um, oh, okay. Where he's being yeah, chased like, on the bridge. Rome, and the, Rome's a different film. Um, sorry. Yeah, 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 it's, no, it all looks the same. It's all European. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was that classic kind of, I'm going to swig off the bridge and do yeah. all that sort of stuff. And but, it's the glory shot in the trailer and the, the Aston Martin doing the donuts and machine gunning everyone. It didn't do a huge amount for me. I'll tell you what did do it for me on that sequence, though, was the the actual production, because I think the sound design in this film is incredible. Yeah. Um, mm. So like when there's explosions and he's actually, you know, everything goes muted, like his eardrums have actually popped. That's and brilliant. That's yeah. done really, really well. Even though it's been yeah. done in other films, it was particularly impactful here. And then there was something about the the sound design and the editing that made you take in the entire sequence where in other Bond films it can feel a bit frantic uh, and certainly mm-hmm. it's been something we've commented on before where it's like the cuts are so fast you don't know what's going on whereas I think actually the pacing is really good in this one. I have to agree with that and there's lots of wide shots as well where you can you get the geography of where Bond is and where he's being chased around um, so I think you're right I think it's it's shot extremely well but the set pieces themselves just it didn't ugh, I don't know didn't quite there's better stuff in the film but well, I've got to it say, didn't the, have, it didn't have a JCB in it. It didn't have a JCB in it. And that's really, or a hovercraft. That's really what, what even want. is the point then? If you don't have one of them, <laughs> I've got to say, my favorite moment from the opening is when your man with an eyeball is just blasting into the bulletproof glass and just mm. bullet after bullet after bullet. And it's eventually going to break. And just that's so so tense even though i know bond's gonna get away madeline will get away he's not gonna sit there as she gets machine gunned down but that's that was something i hadn't actually seen before was just i know this is bulletproof glass but eventually i will get through it yeah what i really like about that is that this is someone who you know kind of has or thinks they have someone up against the ropes and Mm -hmm. is like no 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 until i'm Gun to the head, the job's not finished. Yeah. You know, bond in that car, still alive. So like, if, say, for example, you were in a position and there was some, I don't know, masked serial killer on the ground and you have <laughs> an opportunity and a gun and a knife. And if you walk away, Cyclops seems to be good at his job for at yes. least a little while. Yes. He looked bloody stupid. I don't understand why they had to give him the Hitler youth haircut. Um, no, true. yeah, I don't, I don't. That was a he that is, was a choice. He is the most plot convenient bad guy henchman I've ever seen. His ex- entire existence is to be an extension of uh, Blofeld. It's so that Blofeld can have somebody in the field for our benefit. True, until he isn't. What do you mean? As in, oh, like yeah, no, because he changes sides. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But that's because he's got to have the big ending at the end, doesn't he? Where Bond says something quippy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think I blew his mind. I, Craig, I, I, you're, I thought, you're better than this. I, I enjoyed the fact that we were in the cinema together watching this because I did just turn around to you at one point and went, really? Yeah, like just, collective just that eye line. roll. Yeah. yeah. I, an I, ironic collective eye roll. Uh, uh, got, uh, I think, nice. you know what? I think my biggest frustration with the opening is that... Mm, Bond thinks that he's betrayed by Madeline, 
and could easily, easily put that to bed with a fucking conversation. Instead of running in there, guns akimbo, yeah, he feels like he's being betrayed, but how about for a second you give her the benefit of the doubt and think maybe Blofeld, who is the master of surveillance, might have been able to get to you in a way that wasn't Madeline. Yeah. And Madeline doesn't do enough to defend herself. And the only reason any of the above happens is because the plot needs it to happen. I think that's the bit that really, really bugs me. And that separates them for five years and yeah, they get back together fine. But that didn't need to happen if they were adults and talked. Yeah, I have to agree with you. It was just, we just needed to get them apart again. Yeah, exactly. We need to get them apart so we can get them back together. And it's so much work. So, so much work. Um, There's one quiet aspect to that opening that I really like, which is the Italian festival of writing down things and casting them off. Yeah. And I thought that was a good character moment for Bond. Um, Mm. So that bit, I appreciate it. There was like, even though, you know, you, it was sort of like an emotional roller coaster before we got the actual action one, um, which, like I said, is so unique in Bond films, um, but works. And there's yeah. the beautiful, the beautiful <clears throat> moment of the introduction of um, in the score of Vesper's theme. We've all the time in the world. The... Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, no, literally the opposite. Literally the opposite. <laughs> Uh, which is sort of a thing that comes back and that's yeah. a really beautiful bookend. So there's some like, there's real thought there, I think, and real, there's actual care in the writing of it, I think, which is, again, can be unique sometimes for a Bond film. Uh, more than agreed. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I had a thought to add on that that has escaped my brain. Um and it has gone, but never mind, it shall return. Huh. <laughs> theme song? Oh, yeah, we can do the theme song. I uh, didn't like it. Well, is it, <laughs> no, I've had so long listening to the, I really like it now, I must say, uh, because back in, like, when it first came out, I mean, big Billy Eilish fan, so was listening to it regardless of it being a Bond theme. And then, I think I said this to you as well, The so the opening seconds of the title sequence is a deliberate callback to Dr. No with those, you know, the circles, uh, colorly circles going across the screen. And I actually, now maybe this says more about me and my feelings towards the Bond series as a whole, but I was like, don't really like this. But then halfway through um, and it just starts to get really, really good. And I think you guys commented on it as well. The the double helix made out of bullets oh, or made out of guns. I was like, oh yeah, okay. No, I'm, I'm sold now. Perfection, that. That was this like, has got one of the cleverest opening images. I, I actually turned to you in, I turned to you in the cinema, didn't I? Yeah. And say, I fucking love that. It's just yeah. so clever. You, and I you actually, beat me to it by like a second. Yeah, I really love that theme song because having watched the opening of the movie, it's perfect tonally for what's going on in the film mm-hmm. and the journey that Bond's on. So yeah, it's not your kind of classic Bond big belcher moment, but I think it's so atmospheric and um, true to the story that it kind of was perfect when I kind of was living through it in the cinema. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm probably well, being well done, unfair. Eilish. Yeah. Um, I just don't, I don't think I'm allowing my personal dislike of it as a song. <laughs> it fits the film. It absolutely fits the film. Um, 
and yeah the image with the double helix that's made up of the guns shooting each other there's just so many reasons why that is a i just want to be in the room where the person that thought of that people are so clever people are so clever i just (laughs) i just want to like pat that person on the back and be like fucking well done (laughs) yes whoever you are out there kudos oh done it's stuff like that that justifies your entire career even if everything else you do is shit (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's your peak moment right there yeah done it where do you want to go next chaps uh god we've uh, so what do you think right so the big i suppose the mcguffin slash the big threat of the film the what do you think of the revelation um which is oh hang on i suppose which I'm, revelation? Jumping the, I'm jumping all over the place m what do you what do you think of the revelation about M in this film? Uh, it's a standard M story. It's Bond hates okay. M. M is combative. M is now on the same side as Bond. M helps Bond, regardless of whether it's a. Uh, it, it was kind of nice that for one, mm. Jesus Christ, sorry, that was a firework. It's kind of nice that for once, M has a secret and M has done something super shady. I kind of liked that, but. I am super tired of the journey of Bond is com- um, Bond and M don't get along. Now Bond and M get along. I'm tired of that journey resetting at yeah. the start of every film. Also, shouldn't M be like, given the outcome of the whole movie, be like, shit. Because, oh, 100%. Mm, yeah, He's in trouble. Been, there should have been consequences there, and it felt like there wasn't. Um, but there might well um, be, but I doubt we'll ever see them, because I'm sure they're going to reboot everything. They're going to have to reboot everything, aren't they? Yeah. Well, yeah. yes. Um, although they said the same after Die Another Day, and here's Judy Dench. Um, yeah. Ah, but uh, I, so, I mean, how the hell do you lose this kind of a toy? I mean, this is a pretty important <laughs> toy that you don't want to have lost. The biggest problem is how do you not know that this toy is going to get misused? So the big, as Sean says, the big MacGuffin is that they've created a weapon that should reduce the need for spying and assassination and that's apparently the big problem with international espionage is having to kill people so you can code this um virus to just kill a specific person's gene and surprise surprise it's now being used to genocide for genocide and to wipe out as many people as possible and this is a a shock shocked and appalled i did not see this coming in the slightest, that this weapon could be turned into something. Yeah, it's uh, also the plot to Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> which has the Chimera virus in it. It's exactly the same thing. I thought it was an interesting choice to call it Heracles, because I was like trying to get the logic behind that. Um, well, it's because Chimera was taken by Mission Impossible Yeah, I think pretty much, wasn't it? <laughs> and it almost feels like Bond is because is, obviously Heracles is the Roman version of Hercules, and it's like is there, are they trying to do something clever there? But I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, you know what? This, I think whatever we say about the film, th- this film is absolutely a, a vehicle to wrap up Daniel Craig's tenure. So the I'm glad they didn't go too die another day and too overcomplicated with the bad guy plot. Because that mm. I think that needs to be quite simple for for us to concentrate on wrapping up Daniel Craig and mm. and what's going on with him and his family. Yeah. Yeah, this was... Con- mm. Sorry. sorry oh, no, Albert, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say the conflict is 
Bond and himself rather than Bond and a villain. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And he's definitely, I like that in the beginning of the film, at least, like he's definitely like, Bond, what are you doing here? Like, no, no, you're, you're done. You know, there's, there's no kind of, even as events unfold, there's no kind of like, oh, he's back in the good old days. Yeah, Bond is one of the boys again. It's just like, no shit. Like we just legitimately need you for this. Like, and if you make it through this, <laughs> you are getting the hell out of MI6 again. There's no kind of, there's no sequel baiting when it comes mm. to Daniel Craig. Um. No, 100% yeah. not. Uh, um, which I appreciate. It was like, you get the feeling from the office. It was like, this is a last mission. Yeah. Definitely. Which I like. Uh, so what do you think of Lucifer Safin? Think of our Bond bad guy. Bloody stupid name. <laughs> I would have been happier if it was just Safin. Yeah. Like just one word like Madonna. That would have been better. Lucifer. They kind was... of referred to him as that, didn't they? Pretty much once he got his yeah. full name out of the way. I mm. think his first name is only mentioned twice within five minutes of itself. Mm. Um, I didn't mind him. I thought he was fine. Like you say, he's not the driving force of the film. So he's mm. sort of like um, ambient uh, bad guy is how I kind of describe him. And he's basically a gardener, which is kind of funny. So all I, could think of, all I could think of was like, Evil Monty Don from Guardians World. <laughs> or that M. Night Shyamalan film, The Happening. Oh, God, it's not that bad. The uh, evil microbes that make everything die. Yeah. Um, um, what, I, what I thought was that they set him up, or at least I felt they were setting him up to be the next Blofeld, right? And it's, you know, he does some things that are really like, oh my God, baby, baby. That never really felt like that was going to be where they go because, yeah, obviously, if what happens in Jamaica. And this is your problem with trailers, to be honest. So Bond films think that they have to follow a format to get people bums in seats, and maybe they do to to a certain extent. So the trailer for this film had to pitch itself as a standard Bond adventure when it isn't. This is a a wrap-up, a lot of loose ends. So making Safin the centre of the trailer is an old school Bond thing to do, which doesn't match what the film is actually about. This film is, Safin's the catalyst. He's not the end goal here. He's the thing that kicks a lot of big plot movements along. But yeah. I think it's really clever casting Rami Malek because you're right, Albie, he is an absolute ambient background person. Presence, but if yeah. you'd have cast your man who played Green, whose name I can't even remember, it Jesper would have been- Christensen. No, well Green, done. sorry, that was White. Nope, sorry. Sorry. Might, no, I am thinking of Green. Yeah. Um, in Quantum of Solace, you pick somebody like that who's an ambient person as well as an ambient bad guy. It doesn't stand out. So I think, although we would love to see Rami Malik do more, he's enough of a presence to not be a, a wipe away bad guy. I just Great. want to make it a bit tidier. So yeah, there was, there was something about the way he. He played it that was just kind of perfect for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he he almost came across like there was something sort of like clerical about him. And I mean, like, you know, almost like like a monk. monk. Yeah. Yes. Which actually I quite liked. And there was just like the quietness to him. And he, you know, you could see it in the production design as well. There was sort of this blend between like Russian and like almost Japanese style. Yeah, um, totally. and, and it felt like his character was very much in that space as well. Very zen. Um, yeah, yeah, very zen with these killer plants. Um, but one thing I did like about it was 
they didn't connect him to Bond, they connected him to Swan, which felt yeah. like a good move. Um, and therefore it was like connected through Bond gets connected through Swan. So like the fact that Swan's <laughs> father kills his parents, um, I thought was a slightly clever way to get around that kind of trope that we often get in the Bond movies where it's like, you know, everything's like about blow, Bond. Like the Blofeld thing felt a little bit forced, didn't it? We were saying in... in um, and this is, yeah, that's exactly, but... it doesn't feel tacked on because this has the background of now we know who Spectre is or what Spectre is, sorry. We know how far reaching it is. So it absolutely makes sense that we we already know that if we'd have found out in this movie that Swan's dad was Mr. White and that Mr. White wiped out this person's family, it would have been too much. But because that's been established in previous films, it's now not a massive leap that somebody out there is going to have a problem with Swan. Whereas, yeah, last film, it was, oh, great, Blofeld's related to Craig? To Bond? Through skiing, cool. through skiing seasons. Through skiing? Great. Yeah. Two summers? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, that did that feel kind of works for me. The other thing we forget with this movie is there is another bad guy in there who I quite enjoyed, which is Billy Magnuson, Magnuson's Oh, Logan yeah. Ash, who yes. was kind of... A twist I actually didn't see coming. A twist I didn't, and then it was so bloody obvious. It was like, oh, oh yeah. Um, so I quite enjoyed him in the mix as well. He felt more like maniacal Bond villain than mm-hmm. Safin did in a way. Yeah, um, and I like how he played like it. That, yeah, that wholesome mm-hmm. American kind of, you know, Chad. boy next door, ra- yeah, yeah, Ralph Lauren type model, like you know, and then he turns into absolute dickhead i was like ready to slate the film when i when i first when i saw it twice but yeah when i especially the first time when i saw it i was like oh really you've gone for a cheesy american spy that's under um inexperienced and over the top just so that felix and bond can take that oh no he's evil yes and that saved the first half of the film for me because I was like, uh, what and, what is he doing here? And he almost did bond in as well, like that. I thought that yeah. sequence on the boat was really well done. Um, yeah. and and I was shit, I was like, shit, this is it, you know. Whereas yeah. normally you're like, oh, Bond will get out, Bond will get out. Whereas this one actually felt pretty scary. Yeah, um, and he does lose something there. Good poor old Felix. Yeah, Felix lighter, Felix. considerably lighter now. <laughs> oh, or <laughs> arguably. <laughs> heavier because you know bloated full of water um what did you think so as a you have been a felix lighter fan longer than i have what did you Mm. think of that as a end for this character um it's not the first time he's been ended uh no actually it is because he doesn't actually die in Mm. license to kill um uh, yeah um it was fine i i'm not a fan of um, oh, what's the fridging a character? Which is killing off, it's the act of killing off a side character just so that it pains the protagonist. Which means okay. you don't, the audience doesn't actually give a sh- I don't know why it's called fridging. But yeah, anyway, I it, I, we're not supposed to care that Felix is dead. We're supposed to care that it does something to Bond. And I, I think Felix and Jeffrey Wright were big enough to not have that happen for me i'd have much rather him had his i would have liked him killed off with bond not there whereas this felt bond had to witness it for this to have any weight 
And I think Felix is better than that, to be honest. Hmm. Like, I thought it was a bit of a damp squib. Um, hmm. Like, how, frankly, easier or easy he was taken out. Now, it does, it does allow for uh, a great line. Uh, Jeffrey Wright gets off a great line. Uh, they're just, they're in the hold. And he's like, uh, you know, basically, uh, I think Logan Ash might be one of the bad guy. Call it a feeling in my gut. Oh, I wasn't even Ooh. thinking of that. It's when Bond goes over to the other side of the boat and he's like, I'm going to try and find a way out. And Felix just said, I'll be over here. Don't <laughs> <laughs> fucking shit. Where else are you going to be? I'll be over but here it, bleeding. It feels like that kind of laddie banter that you, you'd expect from two guys yeah. like that in a way. It was just, it was quite fun. I totally, no, I bought all of it. Totally bought it. Um, I, I just, I don't want... And if there's a spin-off movie I want, it's lighter. I love Felix. Um, I love Jeffrey Wright, though. Yeah. He's so good. It's a perfect casting for him. And so different to the lighters that we had um, in previous iterations. Sure. Who, just out of interest, who are other uh, Felix lighters? Are there any kind of... Oh, no, no, nobody you'd know. Okay. Um, he's a big old rotund American man um, in the Brosnan ones. He's a slightly more suave... American in the other ones. Mm. He, Jeffrey Wright is a thousand times the caliber of anyone else that has ever played Felix. Okay. Can we talk about Cuba now? Let's do it. It was so good. So all right. fucking good. That's that is all I that is all I remember from this film forever Ditto. on yeah. is that sequence. Hundred percent. Yeah. Which was but... all shot in Pinewood. If they didn't actually shoot that. really. So that whole like party. Oh. Was shot on set Epic. rather than which fair play because it looked bloody good. Oh, excellent! Uh, I I have a big massive problem with this sequence, and that's because it's too short. Yeah, great. Yeah, um, need more because it's so good. And Anna's armor is just so. I had seen. <sighs> I think I was saying this to you before going in. Uh, I'd stumbled on a review that said, um, "Oh, we don't get you know." Basically, Anna de Armas, there's just not enough of her in the film. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Christ, are they going to are they going to bond girl her really quickly? Yeah. Like, you know, I was like, no, no, no. And I couldn't have been happy. Like, I agree. We need way more. Mm-hmm. But I cannot fault how good she was written and acted. And I think she has so the best representation of any Bond woman ever, ever. including Swan. And she's actually also Cuban as well. Yes, yes. It's like everything about it was just chef's kiss. It was so good. And I love that she's like slightly ditzy, but can kick yes. ass. And um, I, the, just the sequence of them at the bar and her downing the drink was just pure oh, joy to watch. Like, it's so, so good. Like she just, the stunts that she did. Oh, it, there's probably somebody else doing in the stunts. In that dress as well. In that oh. dress, swinging around, throwing the legs, the shooting everybody. So, so elegant with the way she dispatched everybody and so confident. And fucking Bond just falls into the bar. It's set up so, like the, the comedic timing is brilliant because that yes. whole sequence where she's like, I've had the three weeks training. And it's like, yeah, it's oh so my God, good. this is going to be a car crash. And then she ends up being so good. But the other thing I love about it as a foil for Bond, he... He, he quips with her, but he, he isn't sexually suggestive with her. So when he's getting changed into his tux, he makes her turn around, mm-hmm. which was like some sort of a weird mirror image of the Star Trek to have into darkness. Yeah, the exact sequence. opposite. Yeah. Um, but that for me was like, oh, Bond's 
changing as a character because <clears throat> he would before have just stripped off in front of her. Yeah, absolutely. But she's quit. also not there for that. Like she makes no. it really clear that oh no 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 here's your tux. Like we're not we're not doing that. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um. And the, th- the three weeks training thing was very similar to the Logan Ash thing. Of I was like oh god she's going to be clumsy. She's going to fall down. She's going to be a burden to Bond. And then by the end of it, Bond is like, yeah, three weeks, my ass. <laughs> like, what <laughs> What have you actually been doing? Um, yeah, have you, she have you been holds just, her own in every way. And then three Lashana, weeks of having people tell her, don't kill everyone. Don't yeah, kill everyone. Exactly. Toning her yeah. down rather than turning her up. Yeah, And then you've got Lashana Lynch come into it as well. And I thought she had some really good moments in that sequence as well. Mm. But it was just interesting to see her as a more kind of like, Bond-esque, like kind of cold calculation character in yeah. terms of she's picking off her targets. And then you've got Paloma, who's just like having the time of her life and still manages to get the cigar for Felix, which I love. Oh, just that's such a nice touch, isn't it? Just re- remembers the cigar. Um, and then both downing a drink at the bar after it's all finished. It choreographed so well. The timing was brilliant. Um, oh, yeah, need more of her. And, so, and that's so that's it. apparently the director actually wrote that character with her in mind that's awesome so you can tell it's just the perfect it's not like they had the character and then they cast it they had her as yeah. an actor and built a character around her which you can tell it just doesn't works. that show that absolutely it shows when that happens so much. And um, I w- i'd love to know how much of it how much of an influence phoebe waller bridge had on that sequence as well if any kind of feels it doesn't it yeah yeah because the quips are very yeah, I get the vibe. They're very Phoebe in in tone. Yeah, and like she could have been kidnapped at the end of that. Like she could have like ended up being the somebody has a gun to her head and compromises Bond. But there's none of that. She has so much ownership throughout the whole thing. And at the very end, when they part ways, and Bond is like, "You did really well," and she's like, "You did too." <laughs> I know. It's just like it's just so wholesome. They've just decimated however many people. It's just such a wholesome moment. You were great. Yep, you too. And it was <laughs> one that we, have, we have to see more of her. I'm just like, I hope uh, so. It would be a crime if we didn't, wouldn't it? Yeah. 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 She's great. That's kind uh, of a that's kind of a not a worry, but just a oh no, in that anyone introduced in this film, you're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah. no, because that's a shame. Yeah. yeah. Unless they just um, do her again, bond multiverse. Hopefully. Oh, well, who knows? Uh Ben Wishel's Q. Give me your thoughts. For those of us who can't see, I just, I just punched in the air in happiness because yeah. I was so happy. Literally sitting in the cinema, I went, yes! When Q awesome. is sitting there, he's making this beautiful dinner. And I I, I, I thought there had been a line of dialogue that suggested Moneypenny was going to his for dinner, right? Yeah. And I was kind of like, okay, yeah, listen, the way they've interacted i'd be fine with this and then money penny does in fact arrive at the house with bond and he's like no no no, i don't have time for this i don't have time for this he'll be here in 20 minutes and i don't get to do this very often i was like oh literally sean and i just gasped at that moment and we're like <laughs> yay the it's worst so kept happy. secret but it's so nice that they actually put pen to paper and put it in the script and but it wasn't it wasn't labored it. it was just yeah, yeah it was, didn't, there was no change in yeah perception of the character nothing mm-hmm. and he went straight to business again but i just loved seeing q in his domestic environment like yeah. still using all his gadgets and being so precise and looking at his watch and you know being very particular it's just like honestly i could watch him all day long yeah. so good Brilliant. He's so good in this um 
and he's just so earnest and you could tell in everything he does he just wants to do a good job he does <laughs> yeah. and he's just dogged isn't he so he's like kind of resistant but when bond plumps the data in front of him he's like yep this is me now i've got to mm-hmm. get to the bottom of this he's just determined um he, he tries to the, the idea of trying to pull the wall over M's eyes is hilarious. But then when... <laughs> that seems you know, so good. That's oh, one of the comedy so... moments that really, really worked. <laughs> oh, it's just brilliant. Because, of course, everyone, sorry, every, I'm sorry, everyone thinks Bond's dead. Yeah. Um, like, uh, <laughs> Tanner thinks it's like, oh, still alive then. Yeah. yeah that's it's it. so good with the brief Q just walks in. It's like, oh, Bond, isn't it? <laughs> Nice to see you here. And it was just like, we know. <laughs> uh, we know he's staying with you. It's that um, when Bond meets up with M again and M just like, how? You, what do you mean, they? Oh, fuck. <laughs> he uh, knows exactly who's helped them. You get one F-bomb in this rating of a film. Um, that was a perfect uh, use of it. So well, you actually, you're dead right. It's so yeah. well used in this film. Mm. Um, oh, fuck. <laughs> I I don't I have no um respect here at all. Like they're always gonna go to you. Yeah, exactly. It's like literally he's like the only one who didn't know. Um yeah. except Tanner. Of course, you know, speaking of Tanner, he is the most underrated character um Absolutely. in this Craig era. He is just steady, constant. I'm glad he didn't get killed off or ended up being a traitor. He's just mm. comfortable, isn't he? He's just comfortable to be there. Yeah. He's, he's a chief of staff. He's exactly the type of character mm-hmm. you want in that role. Yeah, um, dealing yeah, with all of the forest fires so that you don't, while well, you're concentrating on the nuclear explosion. Yeah, so, and, and, there's, <laughs> and there's something quite satisfying about it when you see him and Craig in the same scene and they're just like mm. polar opposites, you know? Yeah, Craig's the cool, still a mutual the cool, respect. Yeah, the, cute, the cool kind of suave guy. And then you've got um, Tanner who looks like, you know, He's just nerd. a, a nerd manager. and a and a serial kind of uh civil servant who, like, you know, will never rise yes. to the top kind of thing, but <laughs> but is is just reliable and dependable. Yeah, he's great. I love him. Yeah. Money Penny, uh, what do we think about her? Not enough to do in this film. Yeah. Wasted again. Yeah. Uh glad to see her. I think she it would have been a worse film without her, but yeah, not nearly enough to do in it. I would love to have seen her be part of that sequence at the end with Nomi and Bond. Yeah. She could have been part of that party. And we know she can kick ass and we can she can, she can shoot guns and all that. So bring her into it. Yeah. Cool back to the backstory that we know she has in Skyfall. Um yeah. it wouldn't have been impossible. I mean, I can see them being accused of trying to balance too much because you kind of have to give her a mission of some description but yeah. I mean yeah. just having Nomi Bond and Money Penny, all three of them on that mission together would have been oh, oh I don't know yeah I see why they didn't but I it would have been nice to give her a proper send off yeah um, I really liked it considering we only got Nomi for this film I think we we didn't get too much of her and also we didn't get so little that I was like what's the point of including her and it didn't feel just kind of like, oh, yeah, well, the series will always continue without you, Bond. I thought she was a strong enough character on her own that mm. she worked really well against Bond as a foil. And also when they team up, then it's it works for me. Um, and maybe 
maybe they, they have this Nomi character. Let, let's say, like, for example, Moneypenny would have been the other operative, as you say, uh, at the end. Um, would there be a kind of an adjustment of, we have to come back from desk job life to go back to in the field, whereas Nomi is just like, no, I'm already in the field. I'm good. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I get it. Definitely. And it's you could, it could be accused of stealing uh, Nomi's thunder as well if you stick mm. Moneypenny back in the field. But I, it was a big, bold move casting and it shouldn't be a big bold move but it obviously for stupid reasons it is and I just, I just don't think she got enough but again she needs her own film the, the only way I would have been satisfied is her being her own Bond what I would Double love seven up what, what, I, what I would yeah. love for her at the end was I know it kind of defeats the whole purpose of the film but let's not have her take Swan and Matilde to safety let's actually have her run back into the fire and yeah and do some of that because you know what swan's been shown to be capable enough that she can get a boat out of a place and get to safety well, but, that's 100 percent it nomi is 100 percent sidelined for the yeah. final act of this film to make the centerpiece bond yeah. which mm. obviously makes sense but whereas whereas if you know if we're being true to her character at the start she would absolutely have yeah said here madeline this is how you ride the, use the boat now and point it back north and the mass. yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah and she yeah. would have just as quickly as bond sacrificed herself you know exactly so. is the sun on the left no is this is it is the sun rising yep then put it on the left and just go yeah yeah um, um what do you think of madeline so um, madeline yeah leah Sadoo. I I I know we talked before about like there was sort of a lack of chemistry there in some of the you know in the last film. Um, I didn't mind it as much this time. It's still a stretch for me to think that that is Bond's soulmate. Um, but I thought she had some nice moments, and um, I know the bit in the I think particularly like seeing her in sort of maternal mode was interesting because again mm-hmm. we've never seen that in a bond woman girl whatever way we call it um and i i you know i i liked that the film opened with her and essentially closed with her as well in a way yep. um so there was an interesting angle there but i i still i've got the kind of hangover vesper in my mind the whole way through the film still mm-hmm. And the fact well, that she's still in the film because Bond has yes. to like cast her off in order to accept Madeline. Um, I thought it was brave to face into that as part of the narrative, but um, it, it's just Eva Green was so good in that role. You know, was she the great love of his life? I, I totally agree. That's exactly how I feel. Better than Spectre, for sure. There's certainly more chemistry, but I still don't buy that this is the same level as what he felt for Vesper, because that chemistry in Casino Royale was just un, untouchable. Um, mm. And the loss that you feel at the end, it's such a journey that he goes on with Vesper, and obviously it keeps being referred back to again. I just, I think you get that once a franchise. I think you, it is really difficult for us to buy into the fact that a big character can have two massive love interests. And it's like Riker and Troy, would we ever really buy that Riker fell in love with anyone else? No, it's always going to be Troy. Um, and that's not reflective of real life by any means, but it's how we tell our stories. 
Um, and I think that's why we struggle, to be completely honest, with accepting Madeline. Um, yeah, I mean, that's always going to be a struggle. Um, I liked uh, after Bond goes to, you know, Madeline's house and we get the big reveal that is, wasn't particularly shocking, but, you know... Um, <laughs> <laughs> the look on his face, though, is fucking priceless. Oh, do you know what? I, I didn't see it coming. I was shocked. Is that mine? Is that the eyes? The blue eyes? Can I, is can that I just say, I'm, I'm so glad that they didn't go, this is Jennifer Bond, or, you know, like oh, that they actually oh, named him, like Matilde. Actually give her, you know, a name that's authentic to her mother kind of thing. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. I love it. And again, this is one of the comedy moments where, you know, they put her to bed or something. And then, you know, she's like, she's not yours. Okay. Yeah. She's not yours. Okay. I have something to show you another child. <laughs> another uh, <fucking> child. <laughs> uh, uh, Daniel Craig is very funny. Yeah. He's got good. He's got very good comedic timing. Well, we, we know that. Like we know he can do it. He's just not been allowed to do it mm. by Bond. Like Bond films remind me of the Marvel Universe where they tie the hands of directors to a certain extent. Whoever's playing Bond to some degree has their hands tied. Like in Casino Royale, it's like, hey, be a bit more raw and a bit more brutal, but by the next film, you're back to normal. Um, Daniel Craig, in Logan Lucky, Daniel Craig is fucking insane and bonkers and absolutely hilarious to watch. So I know he can do it. Um, it's, it's still weird seeing him do it as Bond though. But it was it was enjoyable. It was good. Uh, I think this is the most range yeah. we ever see a Bond have. Agreed. Agreed. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, not the psychopath of the Connery films, <laughs> or, or the violent psychopath of the Timothy Dalton films, or the buffoonish clown, the Roger Moore films, or the Lazenby of Lazenby's film. <laughs> you know, he is. Albert, you're you're dead right there. It's like. By the end of No Time to Die, when you take in all of the films, like, yeah, I actually see this man's career, nearly. Because having watched the films so close together, he's so young in Casino Royale. Yeah. Um, uh, It annoys me even more that Skyfall is all about you're old and you're haggard and you're done. It's like, no, he's still got 15 more years in him, evidently. (laughs) It kind of brings a bit hollow. Um, I think, you know what, I think that is, this feels like an accidental franchise, doesn't it? Like, it feels like they weren't too sure, you you can never be too sure how a Bond is going to be received. Casino Royale could have been one and done if Mm. it was received poorly. So you can't plan out a five-movie arc if you can't commit to the same Bond being there for all five movies and you don't know. And especially since most of this ensemble is established in Skyfall with Q and Moneypenny it's and M. it's hard to get a proper arc so I think this is a better trilogy than it is a quintology yeah sure we were saying I think when we were reviewing Spectre that it's Casino Royale and Quantum and then it's Skyfall to and now we know no time to die with this trilogy calling back to that one film Uh, (laughs) it's the the prologue to the three chapters isn't it really it is yeah um i think all that leaves is the ending to end all bond films and Mm. you know what i mean i 
I'm both surprised and I'm not. But if you think about it, a bit like regeneration, every time your bond changes out, well, it feels like a death, doesn't it? You know? <laughs> it does. I mean, that's the beauty of Doctor Who, isn't it? You are saying goodbye to an actor, and that feels like saying goodbye to the Doctor with the comfort of knowing another one is around the corner. Mm. Um, and even though there's an in-universe explanation, it's just as confusing in Doctor Who as it is in fucking Bond. <laughs> Whereas in this one, I love how they handle it. I think, I don't know, was it, like he was kind of never getting off that island, was he? As soon as, I said this as we were going to, as soon as we saw that big shot of Madeline completely ringed in light as, you know... Oh, that was um, yeah. As, you know, Charon is piloting her out of the River Styx. Uh, yeah. Or, oh, sorry, Nomi. <laughs> At this point, I had forgotten the character. No, I haven't. I mean, really cruel. But, yeah, as soon as we saw that happening, I was just like, Bond's dead. Okay, There's bye. Bond, Bond's not getting off this island. Do you, know, do you know when I called it? And it's easy to say you called it in hindsight, but it was as soon as Matilde showed up, I was like... Legacy. It's like it's okay yeah, for maybe. Bond to die because he has a child. That was the final nail in his coffin when I was like, I I always assumed they were gonna end the Craig films with him dying. But as soon as he had a daughter, I was like, Yep, that's it. You're done. But overall, I loved it. I thought mm. the ending was more emotional than I expected. Um, he kind of gets two deaths, which is what I always... I mean, you've mentioned Doctor Who and I can't get it out of my head now. It's what I always like about Doctor Who is that the first thing that injures him or her usually isn't the thing that finally, finally kills him. He usually has a bit of a path. And Safin just comes in and fucking shoots him like five times. And mm. he is... That's it. He's dead already. Like, he yeah. has got so many wounds. Um and there's just something, some darkness inside me that likes to see a main character brutally injured. <laughs> That's why and I, I love I, the finale to Blake Seven. They all just I, get killed. I love that because, like, my issue with Bond is like none of the bad guys can actually shoot, shoot anything. Yeah. It's just like just shoot the guy. And then I equally love the way Bond just dispatched Safran. It was like bullet to the head, done. Yeah, yeah. snap his arm to get the gun out. Which oh, was that yeah. was brutal. Yeah, Oof. but there was no sort of like you know, like we had with Green and Quantum of Solace, like kind of completely ridiculous fight sequence. Like there was a fight sequence, but it felt real. Not like the kind of fight sequence these two characters would have. Yeah, Yeah. because Bond was weak enough for Safin to get a couple of hits in, but it's still fucking Daniel Craig versus Rami Malek. So the man's definitely a dead man. Um, And it's kind of like... He's not too harsh in shooting him in the head because the island's gone. Like, Bond knows that he's not getting off the island now. So it's like, look, Safin's dead. I may as well be the one to do it. It's kind. It's almost a kindness. It's going to put him out of his misery. Um, but it is brutal when he smashes that vial of... Uh, we've missed a big plot point, which is that Safin has taken some of um, Madeline's blood, put it through the DNA virus machine thing. And now if now that that's been introduced into Daniel Craig's, into Bond's blood, he can't touch them without melting their face. Because it's keyed into their genetics, basically. Um, that just, was brutal. Just, just as a side thing, all the chat of like nanobots just had me in my head going, you know, you will be assimilated, resistant mm. to <laughs> Um, 
but actually I thought that the twist and it was quite clever in terms of like using people as carriers um but yeah it, that that okay I've got to sound really stupid I didn't see it coming even though thinking back he's like oh insurance policy you know with oh the, yeah the but I was so swept up in the kind of narrative of the film I did not see that coming I didn't expect Bond to die. <laughs> like I was just like, oh, and sometimes that okay, happens. Sometimes there. you just you get involved with the story and see what happens. Yeah, and hmm. and we're so conditioned to think, you know, oh, it's Bond. He'll be back. Yeah, they'll find some way to save him. Um, but no, I mean, there's no coming back from what happened to him at the end of that movie. Yeah, yeah. he's one hundred percent dead. You know the way they always say, like, you know, no body, no death. Nope, no, no, they covered their asses here. Yeah, he's he's. If they do, it's really shit. Like, uh, there's no coming back. Was it, was like, that that the, was my only other like kind of plot point bugbear, and I think I said it to you afterwards, Ian. Was if they blew up the island that was full of toxic things, did that just not throw it all up into the atmosphere and therefore like cause the next Chernobyl? Um, yeah. Yeah, there's lots of people that are now gonna. Die. It's all right. They have a way of fixing that. I'll explain later. Um, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> Don't also let's not, address the fact, let's not address the fact that the British like shot at territory that was international waters them. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it's alright we were protecting you so but it's okay because right, we had Brexit we had Brexit yeah. so we follow our own rules now yeah fuck them <laughs> uh, quickly EU no. save us not our problem mate no, um, I really like the end. I thought it was it was a satisfying ending, even though Bond doesn't get a happy ever after. He wouldn't have ever had a happy ever after because he's always going to get called back into the service. It's always going to be some disaster. Um, he kind of has a happy ever after for Bond. He knows yeah. His, yeah. Uh, his child and Madeline are safe. Yeah, they, that's like, about as much as and he that, could hope that for. ending with. You know, Madeline and Matilde and the Aston Martin back in Italy, and she's yeah. like, Let me tell you a story about James Bond. And it's just like, Oh, perfect. Uh, that was even good. though it's, I liked even it. though it feels a bit tropey, actually, that ending, mm. it, it works. It works. It kind of gives you what you need. Well, Bond's going to hit the reset good. button because she's just telling a story. Yeah. It's exactly. not actually his real ending at all. It's just, Oh, this is why you yeah. don't know your daddy. Yeah. <laughs> So there's one interesting bit because I was reading a bit about the development of the film because as we know, Danny Boyle was originally attached and then um, he left due to creative differences. Um, and uh, one of the, the suggestions for the plot originally was that like two thirds of the film would actually happen within Bond's head and mm. it would actually be while he was being tortured by Blofeld and Spectre you're actually seeing inside he said and then he would come out of it for the third act which i'm like kind of morbidly fascinated by as a concept i would love I to don't, see i don't think it, it would work but but yeah i'd love was, to see it but it's not this movie it's not this movie agreed yeah it's it's sort of like the you know oh i've woken up but it was all a dream thing um but i thought that was quite an interesting take so actually the route they went i think was much more sensible i think yeah. overall yeah um, no totally uh, there is a James Bond will return at the end of the credits. I know we didn't hang around for it. Prequels. Um, there is. Who knows? I suppose that's right, actually. You could end up doing prequels, no problem. Young Bond. Yeah, but he's not 007 not in the prequels. If you're doing does prequels that, to this time... Matter? Yes, of course, yeah. Does that probably matter, doesn't. Though? No, probably doesn't. Uh, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced I want that, to be honest. I'm, I'm kind of... Mm. I like it my too James... obvious. 
yeah, I like my James Bond films to be James Bond films. I enjoy seeing him as 007, secret agent. I'm not entirely fussed about Commander Bond in the military, to be completely honest. I don't know. Oh, I liked um, that line, actually, um, when he's talking to Nomi. And he's like, I think you'll find it's Commander Bond. And she's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, fine. Yeah. You're drunk. Um, it's made a ton of money, um, 605. Well, See, so the budget for this was about three hundred million, oh and it's God. made six hundred and yeah, six hundred and five, six hundred six million. Yeah. They need to make eight hundred million to break even, um, well, which they, they should do. do which yeah. they, they will because actually Bond has a very unusual kind of um, uh, financial flow in life cycle yeah. in that it goes on for a long time because you kind of get the the older audiences that come out like on week three, mm-hmm. week four, week five. Um, so, you know, I imagine it will still be in most cinemas for at least. It will have time. had a, it will have had a bump this October half term as well, because yeah. it's half term over here. So we'll definitely see a bump. How, it may... how... Sorry, Sorry, go on. I was oh, it... say, <laughs> you go, Ian. <laughs> it might even, if it hangs on a little bit longer, it may even get a Christmas bump where it sees more into the holidays as well. That's possible, yeah. But here's the crazy thing. It is the fifth highest grossing film of the year so far. Yeah. Which feels... Which feels... I was trying to think what else would be on top of it, but obviously we've had Fast and Furious and we've had... It's been a pretty stacked year. Yeah, we've had got a pretty stacked year, so, yeah. It's on track to overtake Endgame. Um, it is. In the all-time UK box office. Mm-hmm. Not oh, global, yeah, okay. UK, UK. I was like, bloody hell, and you were worried about whether it would make its budget back? Okay, yeah, no, 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 no. That's, that's still obviously incredibly. Um, there is, guys, Blofeld's in this film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> should we mention Bionic him? Eye. Yeah. We should. Uh, ju- uh, didn't need it. You, you know, I, no, no, no. They wrapped up a loose end. It would have been irritating had they not. But, eh. Yeah, I don't know, like, in a way, he's kind of he does bond a solid by telling him the truth about so Blofeld yes. organizes basically a bomb to go off at Vesper's oh, grave. Do you know what? That's exactly why he's in the film. It's to save Madeline's his and Madeline's relationship, isn't it? Mm. It's to take credit for that. It's to separate them and then bring them back together. Yeah. That is exactly why he's there. That's he, of, like, it was nice to see Christopher Waltz. Yeah, it was worth Always. it just to get that bionic eye going around the party, which was just the most hilarious thing I ever saw. The guy oh, walking around with it on the tray. That's one thing I didn't see. Even though it was Blofeld's voice, I didn't get it in my head. I was like, sorry, what now? What? <laughs> did not make connect the two pieces. True. Oh, uh, dear. It's, uh, yep. No time to die. I liked it. It was good. I liked yes, it. I did it was a satisfying way to wrap. Not my favourite Bond film, but <laughs> it did what it needed to do to wrap up the franchise. I agree. Um, yeah. I was very pleasantly surprised um, with, so Hans Zimmer, who just seems to be like, you know, you, you don't approach Hans Zimmer at this stage to do films. He'll let you know whether you're hiring Hans Zimmer or not. Yeah. Like he just does everything. But I really liked what he brought to the film it was understated but it had its you know big emotional moments love the whole it's called final ascent that piece for the end um mm. i really really liked it i thought maybe it's like oh hans zimmer shall we have 
47 drums or 48 drums in this scene. And now mm. it's really good. It's it's nice and understated when it needs to be. Um, yeah. The, or- the orchestration of We Have All the Time in the World was just so good. So I remember good. that. That was pretty. So good. Uh, but yeah, I agree. It felt... Um, it felt more bombastic than the last few um, scores we've had, uh, yeah. but that's classic Zimmer. Um, but actually, you're right. In the quiet moments, there was some good, good stuff going on as well. So yeah, it was. I need to listen to it again. Um, yeah, but it's nice it, actually. I've listened to it yeah. a couple of times now. It definitely it does work. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so any this is this final is our thoughts? first. This is our first review of a Bond film where we haven't talked at length about the cars or the gadgets. Yeah, and I think that makes sense, doesn't it? Because, it again, it's about Bond, isn't it? And this is where I totally understood uh, it didn't need the, the gimmicks and whatnot. Even though you've got QDAR, yeah. which is the big the big MacGuffin thing in yeah. this one. Um, the fancy jet that was in the trailer. Um, oh, yeah. We, asked, we had the Valhalla, wasn't it? The Aston Martin... Yeah, it is gorgeous. It is gorgeous. absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, overall liked it. It was good. Good. Good way to wrap up the series. Yeah. Uh, I thoroughly God enjoyed what doing next. Uh, oh yeah. Well, we'll figure it. Out. We'll wing it like we always do. Um, we could uh, do Halloween Kills. I won't be on it, but we could do it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. Well, Albert, thank you very much for joining us, and Ian, thank you for suggesting we do this series. Good. I'm glad we did it. That was good. Yeah. Good bondage. Thanks for having me. Um, and always, uh, yeah. See you out there. Albert Hogan will return. Ah, uh, yes. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks very much for joining us this week for an Englishman and an Irishman go to the movies. You can catch us on Twitter at English Irish GTM, and you can also check out our website at Englishman and an Irishman.wordpress.com. We will see you again next week, and we love you very much. Thanks. <laughs>